Yo, what is up on this Wednesday? Welcome to Crossing Broadcast. Adam Lefko here. We have Russell Joy. We have Kyle Scott. Uh, yeah, and you guys can hear me today, which is freaking awesome. Uh, did you guys stay up last night to watch the Yankees game and all that? Was, uh, all player? rise. Sorry, I'm going to be doing that all Take month. Take that as a yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I watched a, a little bit of it. I watched maybe the most underrated player in baseball, Didi Gregorius, hit a, a game-tying home run. Um, I had him on my fantasy team this year, and I, I I don't know if it's just me. I didn't follow the sport all that much, but I do not remember hearing very much at all about Didi Gregorius. And we always say that it is almost borderline impossible to follow a legend. Uh the guy's done a great job. He had a fantastic season. I'm not really surprised that the Yankees uh, are moving on. I am surprised that Didi is not a more uh, commonly known name at this point. Our Slack chat lit up during the game uh, with basically all of us in unison that like we haven't watched baseball all year. I had never heard. I and this is bad. I know. I'd never even heard of Didi Gregorius. Yeah, that's I was bad. Like, yeah, it is bad. It is bad. And I was like, who is this guy? Um, without the Phillies being competitive, baseball is a one-month sport, which sucks because growing up, it was my favorite sport. Philly season tickets for like 16 years. Went we, My dad and I, this is how crazy we were. Well, I mean, he was at the time. We got two 16 game plans in 1996 just so we would be guaranteed all-star game tickets. So this is how far baseball has come and has fallen. And with the Phillies being bad as they are... Um, yeah, but I, I, I'm excited. I like, I'm not a Yankees fan. I am insanely jealous that they have a superstar rookie named Judge. The t-shirt entrepreneur in me is so angry that we can't have that player. The possibilities are endless, and he seems like a good dude. Like, I like him. I don't like the Yankees, but I do miss playoff baseball in Yankee Stadium on TV. I feel like it legitimizes the sport a little bit when the Yankees are involved, same way if the Lakers are involved in the NBA or something like that, or the Celtics, maybe the Sixers. Uh, I feel like that really helps, and I've missed that uh, event nature of the games at Yankee Stadium. So I'm rooting for the Yankees-Cubs World Series. I think that would be a ton of fun. is much valued in this area. I think Russell nailed it on the head. When he was given the task of replacing Jeter, it was like, oh man, everyone felt bad for him in this area. And now it's reached a point where he's exceeded expectations. And many people in this area believe he's the best player on that team, no matter whether it's the statistics and all that stuff. They trust him the most. But yeah, this it's going to be crazy in this area. And I'm. Um, you know, to, to to add to Kyle's point, if we can get a Yankees Red Sox somehow ALCS, mm-hmm. I know that Houston and um, uh, Cleveland are fantastic. But if a if a Red Sox Yankees uh, ALCS led to a Yankees Cubs World Series, that'd be pretty crazy. I know it will piss off baseball purists uh, because the the Astros are better and all that, and the the Indians were are better and all that, but. Yankees Red Sox would be really good for the sport at the moment. Yankees Red Sox and then Red Sox Cubs or Yankees Cubs would be great for the sport. Uh, I know it has nothing to do with anything based in reality other than marketing and market size, but that stuff matters. And baseball could use a little shot in the arm. They got a little bit with the Cubs winning last year, playing the Indians, great game seven, but it's not having the having the Yankees and Red Sox involved goes a long, a long way. By the way, Jessica Mendoza. I know everyone always talks about how 
great she is. As someone who didn't watch Sunday Night Baseball, I was like, I assume she's good. But there's also a lot of people out there who will who will say that just because she's a woman. I will say, watching that game, or most of it, before falling asleep, she's fantastic. I thought she was... I was paying close attention to, like, all right, is she as good as people say? And she, I think she was better. I don't know about you guys. I was very impressed. First, I, joking, was, I yeah. jokingly said to my wife, you know, she came on, and I was like, oh, no, a woman is calling a game. I must turn off the TV now and go post about my feelings on social media. No, she was really good. I thought the same thing, Kyle. It kind of came into my head. I was like, she was bringing up like matchups from 14 days ago. She was looking at hitting stances. She was immediate. I thought she was great. Like I really thought she too. was great. Yeah. You know, like it has a good voice. It made that statement about Didi. You know, for my money, he's the best center fielder in baseball. She wasn't. She wasn't shying away from having a take, but she was backing it up. I, so impressed. Well, I Didi. guess that's the Didi only game. He plays center yeah, field. Yeah, he plays. You're thinking uh, of the twin stop. center fielder. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bum, bum, I'm getting back into baseball. I got 30 days to do it. Give me a break. Uh, well, you get into back into baseball, and we are also going to get back into Flyers and Sixers because this is the opening week for the two teams that play in the arena. Flyers get off tonight. Tonight, 1030 San Jose. I know Russ will be up for that. Sixers, they are starting what, in two weeks? Yep. Start tonight. Well, they start, start tonight with preseason. preseason. Tonight. Yeah. Uh, Kyle brought up a statistic solely to upset Russ. Russ responded with reason. I'll reenact it. Hey, Russ, Philly Voice says that more people are going to watch the Sixers preseason game than the Flyers home opener. Russ, yeah. Well, the Flyers game is at 1030, and basketball is a more popular sport. It was good. Yep. That's a good recap. Very, very I- well done, Adam. Thanks, I didn't bring bro. it up to I actually I didn't bring it up to piss piss off Russ at all. I thought it was an interesting poll. Couple of things. Um, there's nothing interesting about it. Why no, would yes. that be there's nothing no, it's not interesting. Russ. What's interesting? What? All right, here, here okay, I'll tell you what's interesting. First of all, I'm not <laughs> surprised. Wrong, through, but that's okay. Uh, go ahead. Okay, I'm I'm not gonna be wrong. Uh, <laughs> I'm never wrong. I, Believe me, I have the best ideas. Go ahead. I'm not surprised <laughs> at the results, but I am I am surprised at how it was, it was two to one. Matt Mullen of Philly Voice put out a poll. What are you more excited for tonight, the Sixers game or the Flyers game? People who are unaware, this is the first Sixers preseason game and it's the first Flyers regular season game. The Flyers are playing at 1030. The Sixers are on at 7. So we got a nice little double dip along with baseball. I'm so glad October is here. We have real sports again. Anyway, two to one in favor of more excitement over the Sixers preseason game, which is not, look, it's not... Is this a surrogate for a poll that says, which team are you more excited about? Yes, of course it is. Is there a huge skew here? Because Matt Mullen is surveying 20s and 30-something Twitter followers that he has. Yes. Will that skew in the Sixers to favor 10 times out of 10? Yes. But going back 10 years, you know, you look, the Sixers could not fill the lower bowl at the Wells Fargo Center. The Flyers were the team. For, for almost two decades, the Flyers had more expensive tickets. They filled the building every night. The Sixers were an afterthought in this town. The, between the Sixers' rise, and I get why people are excited, and quite honestly, I'm more excited for the Sixers' preseason game, so I'm not disagreeing with this. It's just crazy how far we've come. And then you have the NHL actively working against itself. 
Like we just talked about baseball's popularity. This is the second year in a row the Flyers are going to open the season on the West Coast at 10:30. You have one of the top five marketable teams, maybe one of the top three in terms of TV audience in the United States. You have the team that is essentially owned by the networks who broadcast the game. And for the second year in a row, they're opening them on the West Coast, this time on a Wednesday night at 10.30. And this is, the, this is the same league that held its All-Star game on a Tuesday night on Versus in 2006 or whatever it was, 2007. This is a pro- like, I don't get how the NHL keeps screwing up simple things. You have, you have a popularity problem. Flyers-Penguins, opening night, 7 o'clock, Wednesday. This isn't hard. Penguins-Capitals, Flyers-Bruins, Flyers-Rangers. This isn't hard. They just, you know, the op- it goes a long way. You create a little buzz. Now the Flyers are going to be, what, their third game before they're playing in a reasonable time, their fourth game? Like, give me a break. So I'm not surprised the results either. I just think it's, I just think it's interesting. Like, this is, we're, we're talking about an NBA preseason game. Uh, it's, and we're interested. That's the cool part. We're all excited it's, to see it. Okay, so let's just talk about what Philly Voice is at this point, all right? There is one quasi-updated article on the entire Flyers page. One, Kyle. That's why it's not surprising. You're you're also polling a section of people who do not go to that website to read about hockey. If they did, they would be learning about Nolan Patrick's facial infection from months ago, about mm. the fact that Nolan, that Nolan Patrick signed a deal, that Taylor Lear signed an extension. These are months ago uh, of articles. Like, it's not surprising. It's a, it's a weird cross-section of people. I'm surprised that there were even more than five Flyers fans who follow anybody on Philly Voice that would even participate in the poll. That said, their Sixers coverage really isn't that deep either. I think they only have four that are even somewhat updated articles. Get the point em. still stands. That, look, everybody says hockey is like the outlier of a major sport. Like, it, it, none of this is surprising. And, and again, like you even said, the fact that the Flyers are starting at 1030 tonight is definitely a deterrent. I'm not going to stay up and watch it at 1030. I'll DVR it and I'll watch it, to, I'll watch it tomorrow. Like, that's how that's going to roll. you're not a real fan. Uh, you're not a real fan. Uh, um, I have a job. and I have kids that wake up in the middle of the night. So, like, I don't care. I'll be yeah, responsible no. about it. Like, you know, we can, we can go back and forth. Maybe like, This, like, stupid, yeah. <laughs> this, like, stupid, you know, oh, only a real fan, you know, real fans stay up at 1030. No, because I know what's going to happen. I I'm going to watch I'm a team, I'm gonna watch you, a team I'm that's going to pull out Brandon Manning and Andrew McDonald as uh, as top six defensemen, while Shane Gostisbehere probably has an, a, a concussion. I don't know if you knew that or not. Russ, it wasn't on the Philly voice, so I didn't know about that. Oh, man. Well, all right. So well, anyway, I, I just want to point out really quickly, like the Flyers, for as excited as I was, the Flyers have also blown it a little bit. So here we are. Shane Gostisbehere probably has a concussion. They're, they're rolling out Andrew McDonald, who I think is at best a third-pairing defenseman who they put on their top pairing last year with Ivan Provorov. They're going to put him in. He want, he actually got voted by his teammates to wear the uh, the A on his jersey, I think at home games this year, which is ridiculous to the max. Brandon Manning is nothing more than like maybe a seventh or eighth defenseman. You only take seven. You only play six and one sits in the press box. The idea now that Sam Moran or Travis Sanheim or both will not be playing in this game uh, is, is nonsensical at best to me. Like it, it is... It defies logic in so many ways, and uh, I like I'm I'm actually a little bit down on on tonight's preseason de- or tonight's season debut in the first place. They also sent down Oscar Lindblom, who played out of his mind early in preseason, looked like he was going to be a solid contributor, and said we have like Dale Weiss. 
like I don't get it. They they made some some late moves here, the the late cuts. It was almost like they wanted people to believe that they were actually listening and that they, they were actually going to continue with the youth movement. And instead, they they've done things that just don't make sense. Like Matt Reed well, goes on first, he clears. He's got like a, a I think a three point six million dollar cap hit this year. That's fine. He'll be assigned to the Lehigh Valley until Gostas Bear is clear, and then they're going to end up sending down either one or both of of Moran and Sanheim. Like, it's dumb. It it does not make sense. Like Russ, I read, I, I don't know if you read uh, Anthony's pieces. I, I read it. it was yeah, the one from four days ago. Yeah, I read it. I got well, it. Well, he had one about the forward. Uh, no, about the defense. And he was saying, like, look, this is a team. This is a team that should make the playoffs. The Flyers, the Flyers are not in a perpetual tank here. So his argument was like starting three, three rookie defensemen is a bit on top of two, a second and third year defenseman is a bit much, and there does need to be a little bit of stability. So he wasn't arguing against playing the young guys. But he was giving a very good case for why the Flyers would probably send one or two of them down, so they can have some sort of NHL-ready stability. I don't think there's I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Flyers fans want to get bent out of shape about stuff, and uh, Dave Haxtall is is heading for a flaming exit after this season if things don't go well. But I don't I don't have that much of a problem. I don't know if you could start five young defensemen in, in on a team that should be a playoff team. It's a problem if, you've if the got, Flyers if are on the playoffs. You have good leadership in the locker room. You absolutely can. Yeah, but you can't. I you, mean, it, totally it has good. nothing to do with leadership. They're rookies. They're sure going to make mistakes. They're, you can't okay. afford that many mistakes, Let me ask Russ. you a question, Kyle. So what do you know about Andrew McDonald? He's going to bring up J.P. Crawford and how he was no, right. What, what? Honestly, like, what do you know about Andrew McDonald, or what do you know about Brandon Manning? McDonald stinks. I'm not – but – So we're going to talk about let's put Andrew McDonald on the team. Let's, let's weigh him down. Let's weigh down Ivan Provorov, your best defenseman. By far, your number one defenseman on the team. Let's weigh him down because we're afraid of having Gostaspair, Provorov, and then two or three of these rookies. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the decision to probably send one of the one of the guys down. But it's when Gostaspair comes back, Kyle, because you've got to have McDonald's probably going to be on the top pair, and I don't really think they're going to send Brandon Manning down. And even if they do, Kyle, then what that means is because you don't start seven defensemen, that means that one of those guys that doesn't get sent down, let's say it's Moran or let's say it's Sandheim, that guy's going to sit in the press box. He does not play. So then it becomes a question of: Would you rather these guys go back to the AHL and actually have legitimate playing time, or do you want them to go on the Gostaspair plan from last year where they sat Ghost? up in the press box instead of letting him work out the kinks as a young defenseman. So like I, the other okay. point, I, like the other thing that angers me is I'm sick of hearing that this team should be a playoff team based on what we still, I, I still don't understand why people like go back to that narrative. It's not the nineties. It's, it's not the early two thousands. The flyers are not this perennial contender. The eat like you can even say that the Eastern conference isn't that great compared to the West, but the flyers haven't made the playoffs. It's been what? Three years. Well, yeah, they've Dave missed it for... hasn't shown anything tactically that makes any kind of sense for them to be a legitimate playoff contender. To even be a team that's going like they're in a tough division, they're in a tough conference. It's not. It's not. It's you just simple. said the it's comfort different. wasn't that tough. Pick it's your not, stop hedging. Compared to the West, it's not. Well, then it's not tough. It's easy. You're only. It's all I mean, relative. It's a tough conference, but not as tough. I mean, it, it's all relative. I, it's I, either tough or it's not tough. I just. You have to I, compare I, it against I, its I, relativity. No, look, look, wait, sanity, breathe. You okay? I'm just angry, okay? man. I'm just okay. angry. You okay? Is it because of Colin Cowherd? Wait, well, I'm, I'm one of the wait. dumbest people. I, I live in the dumbest sports city. So when, that's when, 
well, hold on. When when Russ when you get angry, Russ, it's like you know when you knock on someone's door that has a twelve pound chihuahua that just wants to bite your feet. That's what I feel like when you get angry at me. I just feel like, don't like Russ insult is, Russ like that. I don't. I, I'm. It's it's endearing because I can tell that it's a it's a spirited fight, and he's nipping at my. He's you're nipping at me, Russ. I'm not. I'm. I mean you no harm. I'm agreeing with you. I I I'm not a hackstall fan. Thus far, I'm just trying to give the case for why I, I think Flyers fans always look towards the future. We all, and we all do, and are like, "Hey, these young guys—they are our future. They are our future." All of these guys aren't going to pan out. We want them all to. They seem like the the unknown is better than what you know, which is Andrew McDonald and Brandon Manning. I get that. I get you want to see what you have, but I the Flyers should be a playoff team. I'm sorry. I, I know they're pro- they're not contenders, right? But this is this is a major market franchise that is owned by Comcast, okay? And you have to consider all these factors here. They've missed the playoffs for two straight years. They have guys in their primes who are making a lot of money, who are good enough and have shown that they are good enough to get to the playoffs. I don't think that that is a good core having just Giroux and Voracek and Simmons. That's not a core. That's that's a second line on on a really good team. But the fact remains is the NHL. It's not difficult to make the playoffs. Uh, giving like just the market size. If it's not and, difficult. Then why haven't they done it? Well, that's but that's my point. The point is they could do both. They do have young talent, but they also this it doesn't have to be the NBA where you have to bottom out. They're not bottoming out for draft picks. So if you leave one guy down a little bit longer than you have to for the sake of putting a good product out and a competitive product and a playoff team this year, I don't think that is as much of a crime as you do. They have plenty of young guys playing. That's my only point. It's I want to see the young guys too. I'm not an Andrew McDonald is not the future of this franchise. No one is arguing that the goaltending situation, quite frankly, feels like it's going to be a mess again. That's a problem. It's going to be a disaster, an yeah. unmitigated disaster, an inexcusable totally. disaster when Ron Hextall is your GM. I totally agree. And people are always quick to, um, you know, fawn over Hextall. But here we are now three years in with Hextall and we don't have uh, the goaltending situation is not clear. We still have he. These can only do so much getting rid of some of the contracts, and you got guys with no trade clauses. I get it, um, but look, the Flyers in, on paper should be good enough to make the playoffs. It, it, this is the NHL. Like, they're the Flyers. They have enough talent to make the playoffs. So don't spike what could be a competitive team just for the sake of adding one or two defensemen who may or may not turn out to be that good, anyways. That that's that's my only point. Just doing I'm looking at last year's playoff here. standings, and I'm saying to myself, are they better than Washington or Pittsburgh? No. Columbus, no. Montreal, no. The Rangers, of course not. Ottawa, no. Boston, probably not. Toronto is a young team, but they still had seven more points last year than the Flyers. So, I mean, I guess you can make the argument that it's not that far of a jump. But the Islanders were also better last year, and I think they've gotten more talent this year than they did last year as well. And Tampa Bay finished ahead of them. I don't know if Tampa's going to be good. But that's still nine teams ahead of you. I mean, like, yeah, you can make the case that, that the East can maybe get a little bit jumbled at the bottom. But, like, I don't maybe think it's a healthier. Conclusion. Maybe Voracek ba- bounces back. Maybe Ghost and Proverock also, take huge steps forward. Maybe Brian Elliott can stop a puck. It, it, Brian Elliott's probably not going to be your starter. It, it probably is going to be Michael Neuvert again until he gets hurt, and then you're going to have to call up Lyon, which is going to be, like, it, the, the whole the goaltending situation is a mess. You're also expecting that Nolan Patrick is really going to be a legitimate player like that he is absolutely ready to be the second line center can you're i make a confession into, you're also going into the season knowing that claude Giroux, your captain who's been a center for 
most of his career since the uh, Stanley Cup Finals, is now going to be playing on the wing, at least to start the year. Like, it, they're Can doing weird stuff, man. Go ahead. Uh, what, seeing some of Nico's preseason highlights, I'm now more... I'm, I'm already anticipating being super upset about the next 10 years of Nico uh, running a train on the Flyers in the East. I think that you should all I get. You should just go off-brand, and you should still do a Nico power play shirt. And, and just have Hell, it be well, like... Like, do, do a line of shirts called hashtag alternate shirts. If the Sixers can and add... If this yeah, alternate shirts, I like that. We'll call it because it could be anybody that any Philly team has almost gotten before. Like you can run out like a Mike Lowell third baseman Phillies shirt. Like that'd be pretty cool. Honduras, Honduras, Ethiopia, Inc. The, sh- the shirts, the, the shirts the kids are wearing. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's interesting. That's terrible. That's terrible, Ross. You should. You know what else is terrible? You shouldn't make well, fun of underprivileged kids in third world countries. Howard's take. It is. I feel like you have thoughts on this, Adam, because I, I feel like you're a Don't Cowherd fan. You guys, I want Russ to embrace hate. I love it. When Russ gets angry, I, it fuels me. The rest of my day is set because Russ... I'm not even angry, Adam. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I got scared there. I'm uh, um, angry. Yeah, I think that, I think that uh, it's time. My, my mic is in. Yeah, you're better. You're better now. Maybe you're just sitting away um, from it. You're good. He run Colin Cowherd runs a playbook that it's just annoying to watch. He like since I used to work in Kentucky, my my Kentucky friends and media call him out for it all the time. Every now and then, he needs to incite a fan base to create some online buzz and get his radio station radio show out there. And I totally get it. So he's done Kentucky basketball already this year. Now he's doing Philadelphia. It's rotational. He used Andy Reid's success on Monday night to turn it into how dumb Philly is. It was unnecessary. I thought the Eagles did a great job social media-wise capturing all of the Philly bullshit. I was thinking the exact same thing. The only thing he missed was Snowballs uh, and Rocky. And uh, I don't really want to give him a lot of time because I really do like Cowherd. Like, I really think that he's talented. But to go into Jay Wright and Terry <laughs> Francona was such bullshit. And, and I've realized, and I said this before, Andy Reid, and my friend Dan texted me. I'm going to read this in a second. But to the whole Andy Reid thing, I still believe that it was Don McNabb that ruined a lot of everything for, Don, for Andy Reid. And as my friend Dan texted me, Tom Coughlin wins two Super Bowls and gets fired after going four seasons, going 12 and 20 in his last two years. Andy Reid gets fired nine seasons removed from, from an only Super Bowl appearance, and he goes 12-20 in his last two years. And it's like, no, like, come on, guys. Andy Reid, it was in disarray. All the things going on with his family, it, like, it was time to move on. It was ridiculous. And then Andy Reid has had a rebirth in Kansas City. I just, it, it was so over the top. It was unnecessary to even talk about. Russ? Yeah, I, I just I, I know that. you got to like, go, I, so I figure I'll let yeah, you Yeah, like, I, I just want, like, I mean, I, I ended up then turning on Sports Talk Radio just for a minute because I thought maybe there's going to be, like, a, a legitimate conversation going on. And, and all I got was some guy calling in a Mike Missinelli 
complaining and saying Coward is an idiot and he's a loser. And I'm like, dude, I don't know about you, but it's like 3.30 on a uh, Tuesday afternoon. You're not working, and you're calling in saying that one of the most successful sports radio personalities who also has a simulcast deal with FS1 is a loser. I, I don't think it's him. That's just me. Um, Coward, Coward going to this well is not totally surprising. Um, it kind of capped off a stupid day of national media saying ridiculously dumb things. Uh, Bill Simmons also had a stupid thing said on his podcast about Fultz looking fat and out of shape. Um, the only thing that I'll say is the, the way that he... I, I think his point about Andy Reid in a vacuum maybe is okay if you're not aware of everything that was going on at the time. And if you're really trying to make the case that he went on to find massive success in Kansas City, like, he's not wrong. But sports is so much more than just your record, and it's so much more than than just the X's and O's. Like, the stuff that was going on with Andy's family uh, and, and the way that the locker room deteriorated, like, we saw it for years. The the yeah. one thing that I think was maybe the most impressive, and it, I think it's, like, the one of the things that I look back on the most and I'm I'm like really look fondly at that Eagles team was when he resurrected Michael Vick's career, because Vick like I I know I think we talked about this once before, you know who do you have more positive uh, thoughts about in in like the scheme of of Eagles history Donovan McNabb or Michael Vick I look back on McNabb and I think of the last few years I think of the trade to the Redskins I think of puking in the Super Bowl I think of him not standing up for T.O. Uh, you're, about you're about, this is an incorrect take warning we need like an incorrect take button there's no way you could say Michael Vick and so I, well, I, I look like back at I, too. I, oh, I look back at the God. Michael Vick years and I I feel like I enjoyed them more I, I believed more in Vick what? than I did in McNabb also Juan before Kyle goes on a rant I just yes. want to say <coughs> oh, excuse me I find it really funny how we're talking about how great of a coach Amy Reed is in October. Again, this is what always happens. <laughs> yep. Oh, they don't lose the regular season. Okay. Well, look, I, I think the Chiefs are great. Uh, we we literally made this joke on Gridiron Heights that the Chiefs are so they love this time of the year because they're first place in the in the power rankings in October. We'll wait and see how Andy does in the playoffs with clock management. If he, all of a sudden it turns around, God bless him. But uh, it's October. And so I've seen this storyline before as well. It's just like, look, the, I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I go back and I, I watch some of the stuff that Vic was able to do late in his career. And I, I never I, – I don't know what it was. I just – I had more confidence in him than I did with Donovan. I think part of that was also Vic had better weapons. Like, there was no doubt that having, like, the LaShawns, the Macklins, the Deshaun uh, – and uh, and Deshaun was a better crew than McNabb had outside of the year that he had T.O. Uh, to go along with Westbrook. But, like, the fact remains, like, Coward's argument specifically about McNabb and the fact that, that Andy won with bad quarterbacks and the fact, like, I think it does underrate McNabb a little bit, but, like, McNabb wasn't a great quarterback. Like, Okay, all right. It, it, he, he just wasn't. I'm sorry, Kyle. Like, I don't he, like McNabb, but... He was a good quarterback. He was a good quarterback for this team. You could say he was the best quarterback in franchise history. That doesn't make him an all-time great. I don't. I, I'm hoping you're not going to try to make the case that he had like uh, a Hall of Fame career. Well, I am because, I'm, well, because he did. I mean, that's an exercise in futility. All right. 
you might right, have so been able to I wanna... pile up enough stats to like maybe kind of help you make a case, but like go back and 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 watch his games. Like the guy, <laughs> the guy. All right, all right, Russ. All right, I, I gotta, I, I gotta, I, guy, I can't take this anymore. Hold on. He threw grass burners, man. He he. I, I, I want to talk. He hit more worms yes. in open right. space than he did his receivers. Okay. All right. Wow. I mean, for you now, you had some really smart flyers takes. And then they come here, and then right before you sign off, say, well, McNabb stunk, he threw worm burners. is like the worst sports talk radio call of all time. Like, Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me he didn't throw worm burners every game. Okay, he did. That doesn't mean he was a bad quarterback. Look, I don't – I want to talk about Calhoun. I'm not saying, he's, I'm saying but, he's not an all-time great. They're not mutually exclusive. You're right. He's not, he's not in the good- upper echelon of all-time quarterbacks. Is he good enough to make a serious case for the Hall of Fame? Yeah, I think so. I'm not putting him on par with, with Manning and – Montana and Rodgers and uh, Brady, like he, clearly, no, he he's he was not that good. But was he in that next level of quarterbacks? I think so. Um, uh, look, I'm not a McNabb fan. I think he was whiny. I, I his his attitude sucked. Like all the reason people, it didn't suck. But he was it was always a me. It was always he was always the victim. Okay. And I, we're going to talk about this in Philly. I swear to God, for fifty fucking years. And I don't think we need to go into it that deeply. The point is, I get all the reasons why people didn't like McNabb. I don't like McNabb. He annoys me to no end. And he had major... He he shit the bed as much as Andy Reid did in the big moment. So no argument there. It it has to be more. Fine. I guess guess this is my point. Because I I want you to finish your point. But like, I think as we go back and we try to approach it as, as neutrally as we can, it's important to like take a look back and say... Considering what happened after Donovan was traded and after Andy left Philly, who found more success? And yeah, it's easier to say that a coach can find more success because their body isn't what matters like it does for an actual player. But Donovan was was a below average quarterback the last few years in Philadelphia, and he was a below average quarterback for the Redskins. And he went on. And and yeah, he got to he got to restart it. And like we've seen it before, like even if we were going to make the Terry Francona argument, like Willie Mays was a below-average center fielder his last year. What is your point? Like, you, yeah, guy, Steve Carlton sucked his last two years. I, no one's holding that so over. So did Roy Halladay. But like, what yeah, I'm oh, saying is, if course. we go back and we look at it about like who about about who was the guy who like really blew it, who blew the window? Was it Andy or was it Donovan? I think you can like, well, obviously make the time management argument against Andy, <laughs> but like, who found more success? And, and it's okay. Andy, like by by far. And that's OK. All right. You've made, all right. You, you made the point. All right. So I, I don't disagree with any of those things. I'm not I'm not fans of either of these guys. But you you literally said you enjoyed the Michael Vick era more than the McNabb era. The Vick era was two years of a handful of exciting games that one of which resulted in a playoff loss that he threw an, an interception in. The jerseys were sick. He threw an interception to end the game. He got hurt. He got hurt both years. This, this wasn't. I don't know. Like, were you just not around for the Andy Reid era from 2001 through arguably 2008 when they went back to the conference championship? That was probably the most. And I, I know this sounds ridiculous to call it dominant, but at least for those five years when they were on all cylinders with. Jim Johnson as his defensive coordinator with Westbrook in his prime and Dawkins, McNabb, and all those guys culminating in the year they got T.O. 
That team was so damn dominant. Every day they took the field and made a case for themselves as the best team in football. It was not unlike the Flyers in the 90s. They were they had a terrific five-year stretch. It was exciting. It was one of the best things to happen in sports in any of our lifetimes. And yeah, they had a problem getting over the hump, just like the Flyers did. And there are many reasons for that, and we could blame a lot of people. I'm not sitting here and defending McNabb is the greatest quarterback ever, and certainly not Reed is the greatest coach ever. But I, I think you can't just say, oh, I enjoyed the Vic era better. That is patently ridiculous. I'm just if you saying remember I Vic more fondly enjoy- than McNabb, that's fine. I can't. That's what I'm saying. Okay, I'm not, but wait, you wait, said wait, you enjoyed think, the think, era more, and that's yeah, I, like that I'm, is ridiculous. What I mean by that is I enjoyed watching Vic more. I believed more in Vic than I did in McNabb. Not the entire team, not the defensive side. Good God. Um, I only that wasn't what I meant. What on. I meant is I like when I look back at watching Vic play, I enjoyed watching Vic play more. And I believed in Vic, Vic and was his a, ability to get and his ability was, to get the job done. Right, he was fun. Vic was terrifically fun to watch when he was clicking. But we're talking about a sum total of about fifteen games where he was really worth watching on a team that wasn't that good. This this was a you know this is not apples and apples here. I mean, the Vic year was a nice it was a nice little jolt in the arm for a few a handful of games where he was clicking on all cylinders and then the rest of the time he was throwing interceptions and getting hurt which is what he did all his career when he wasn't in prison like you know oh, we're, we're now comparing. we're gonna throw the prison out well there. hey mcnab mcnab is a is a convict as well so uh you know it, it applies to both of them the other DUI thing you mentioned i gotta that? go um you can keep making this case i don't yeah, think we were arguing about the same thing well okay uh the other the other thing uh that, that russ had mentioned which is a quick aside about Fultz. Um, people think Fultz is fat and out of shape. I'm not sure who said that. Was that you, Adam? Fultz. Is he fat and out of shape? Yeah, someone said something about someone think, thinking Fultz is fat and out of shape. Uh, oh, no, it's Simmons. Bill Simmons. Oh, Simmons made that case? Apparently. Ugh. Uh, it, it, you know, it is interesting. Uh, uh, two things on Fultz. Uh, Russ made the point on Monday, and I sort of brushed him aside as it being the scrimmage. But I saw some of the clips. This isn't a lot to go on, and I wasn't there. So, uh, you know, Bob Brookover alert here. (laughs) Watching a few of the clips and Fultz being at the three-point line wide open and passing um, and watching Ben Simmons just dominate in those, again, a handful of clips, it did look like Fultz was a little... Um, lost inside his own head, at least on a couple of possessions there. I, I get that that's not much to go on. The other thing I will say is the Chick-fil-A thing is, is awesome and fun, but he should not be eating Chick-fil-A like he does. For a team that is so into sports science and nutrition, and I know the Sixers got a sponsorship deal out of the Chick-fil-A thing, and it's fun, it's cool, there's nothing wrong with eating it once in a while, but I get the sense that Fultz has that on his free time five to six times a week. That's not good. He's a young, like you're a young guy. You can shrug off that stuff, but um, yeah, I I feel like he needs to, you know, st- stop playing into that stereotype because that's not that's not a good one to have for a young NBA player who's going to be playing. Yeah, the, the who's only one year removed from high school is going to play. Got an 80 game season coming up. Like maybe maybe steer clear of the Chick Fil A for for the season. The problem is, is the guy on the team that's giving him advice to eat healthy is Jaleel Okafor. So then Fultz is looking at him and going, well, I'm not going to eat healthy if I'm going to turn out like that. Well, uh, so I, I was at the, um, the practice facility last week and, and got to see around. They have a, for the players, a five, a 
incredible cafe with a five-star chef cooking up customized meals, everyone from the, uh, the chef to the doctor to the trainer knows each player's plan, what they should be eating, what they should be doing, what their ailments are to the coaches. It's really, it's really all pretty impressive. So he's obviously being taken uh, well care of there. And the day where there was a Chick-fil-A spread was media day and it was a marketing thing and that's fine. But I do get the sense that he has a lot of Chick-fil-A in his free time, which is uh, you know, concerning. But yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm hopeful that Fultz comes out and just dominates the way he is, but I'm seeing the buzz around Lonzo right now every time he takes the court, again, summer league and preseason, and we haven't felt that from Fultz the few times that we saw him. So I don't know. It, it says nothing about their career, but uh, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that Fultz comes out of the gate firing. because he Yeah, was realize that, realize that social media buzz is not because of talent. Because Joel Embiid moves the needle, Ben Simmons doesn't even move the needle yet. Like he hasn't done it, but Lonzo is Lakers rookie, social media phenom, dad pulling his kid out of high school. Like every, he's a Kardashian. Sure, but when you watch, when you watch him on the court, he he has looked electric, and I get that that's just his style. But he's looked super confident, nonchalant, and electric, and. well like he belongs other after that first preseason game anyway uh, so um, the people joel running uh the quote from brett brown which was joel is a man of the people and he takes a lot of pride in that uh i mean geez i, I know that joel probably isn't doing all of this for marketing but and he's one of the best incidental marketers i've ever seen and you know why that is because he's authentic he's not for he didn't it worked so to his advantage that he didn't grow up here because he doesn't the guy I've heard this before and I, maybe it was you who made this case on here I'm I'm trumpeting someone's opinion I thought it was a good one um the guys who grew up here starting in 6th grade 8th grade these AAU guys they have been put in a cocoon because they've been future stars guys who make it to the NBA or the number 1 high school player in their town they're playing on the top AAU games all these big camps they're they're in a cocoon. They're, by the time they get to the NBA, they are measured. Look at Ben Simmons. Now, he, he's you know from Australia, so it's a little bit of a different case, but same deal. He's been treated like a superstar for, for eight years now. Embiid, on the other hand, grew up in Africa, came here, went to high school for a couple of years, went to Kansas, and then, and then became a millionaire in the NBA and didn't play for his first two years. And so he doesn't have any of these preconceived notions about what you're supposed to do and say. He just is himself and lets his personality shine through, and he doesn't worry about repercussions. And occasionally he does something stupid, like say he has a big dick in a, in a video that winds up on Barstool, and you know he, he looks a little goofy doing it, or he's seen riding a funky duck when he's on the injured reserve with a foot injury. And he's, he's, he's going to step in it. But sort of like Charles Barkley, where because they're so authentic, you just kind of shrug off the things that they're going to do that are maybe make you like roll your eyes or gasp a little as a fan. And that's fine. That works to his advantage. Um, so I, I don't know. I think he, he's tremendous. I know the Sixers believe, say, feel that he is maybe the smartest player on the team in terms of just getting it. He's not like some big goofy dope. And you could tell this just from following him on Twitter and listening to him talk. He's an intelligent guy. He gets everything he's doing. He gets the marketing aspect. It's not calculated, but he knows what he does wins him fans. He knows he's good enough to get away with it. 
and he seems like he's got a relatively a pretty good head on his shoulders about himself as an athlete and marketable the fact that they're trademarking the process for Shirley Temples the fact that he co-opted a chant that was meant for the whole team and turned it into his nickname like he's a smart dude so he's I think he just clicks on all cylinders in that regard the video of him running I think the reason everyone thought it was a viral marketing thing was because the lift video, the quality was so well done. You had that sort of eerie music with the spotlight on the street and the timestamp on the video. It all felt just too perfect. And the guy sitting at a red light and this, you know, Sasquatch looking figure, uh, abominable snowman just sort of runs by and you're like, wait, what was that? Was that Joel Embiid? It was so mysterious and perfect that you could barely see him. And the guy yells, trust the process. And the, the figure waves his arms and runs into the night. I don't know if they could have scripted that, that any better. Um, and then he was, he was running home from playing tennis, which is the best, which is the best part. Like a little kid, like just goes out and plays and runs home. Uh, he's a gem. He's a true gem. He needs Where to be Where do you live? Uh, most of the guys live in center city in some of the high rises. I think a few live in the Ritz and places like that, the condos at the Ritz, but I think they're all in the city. Um, and I know Embiid is too. I, I forget, you know, yeah, they all live in those fancy condos somewhere in center city. So probably not far from wherever he was running. Yeah. Um, he's great. A cowherd real quick. Um, his thing about. Yeah, Francona's ridiculous. No one ran Francona out of town. This was 20 years ago. I actually happened... The the Jay Wright thing was weird because he lumped Philly fans in with Nova fans. Jay's loved at Nova, but he was getting shit mostly from Nova people, I think, for three consecutive second-round exits. I don't know if that was coming from Philly as a whole. So... No one was running him out of town. It was a weird thing. I enjoyed his defense as Jay Wright calling him one of the top five coaches in college basketball. <laughs> I agree. But it was a weird, his whole thing was weird. And he touched on, the, the, the Reed thing has a nugget of Jay truth. Jay Wright did deserve a lot of shit for being bounced from three straight second rounds. He deserved some criticism, but no one was, no one was running him out of town. Anyone who right. followed Nova basketball for 20 years before that, knew that they were that team was in a significantly better place than it was when it took over and even even before the national championship he had had the team in the national conversation for a decade straight and this is in an environment where the football schools have risen to a whole nother level in terms of marketing and recruiting and paying players through shoe deals um to for jay to be doing that at a small Catholic school, I don't think was lost on anybody. So that was a, that was a dumb argument. No one was calling for his job. And the Philly people who were calling for his job, some of them wanted him to become the head coach of the Sixers. And he misunderstood the Reed thing for all the reasons you guys said. There was re, it was time on both sides for Andy to go. It was just an untenable situation. Yes, the fans were, uh, we were all insanely outraged and wanted him to go, but he had worn thin in the in the building. You could tell he lost some of the team. You could tell he needed a fresh start somewhere. It was the best thing for everybody around for Reed to leave. It's one of the rare situations where it's an amicable split, and well, it worked out better for Reed. We'll see how it works out for the Eagles, but it was a it was a reasonable split. Yeah, that's the annoying thing about this. Is I hate falling prey to a national radio host pandering, and yeah, it just. 
it's annoying. It really is that someone can look. We've now seen it twice in the last month, Kyle, where a national voice has thrown the Philadelphia sports media into a tizzy. Mike Lombardi made comments about Doug Peterson, and everybody went haywire. Colin Calvert took a shot at Philly, and the city got defensive. We're, we're very defensive right now. And every single national voice that says something, we have to react to. It doesn't happen everywhere else. And that's, to me, we got to stop doing that because it's a sign of weakness, in my opinion. Uh, maybe. I think the Lombardi thing was different because he wasn't taking a shot at the fans. But, and you know this, being on a national level, and I, I've, I've been told by national bloggers and such like that, Philly fan, nothing moves their needle more than something that really gets Philly. Whether that's positive, something with an Embiid-like figure, or, you know, you can ask the, the Malamutes about their Utley and Howard video back 10 years ago. I know they were six years ago. I know they weren't a Bleacher Report yet, but that thing became mini-viral because Philly fans were just so in love with the Phillies at that point. Um, but when you, when you poke Philadelphia... There's no more active on. I, there is not a more active online fan base than Philly. And I don't even think it's close. I know there are certain teams in pockets, specifically certain college teams, that really dominate online forums and message boards and Twitter and stuff like that. But as a whole, Philadelphia just crushes the online game. Uh, we t- and it, from from media to fans, we talked about this last week. It was Thursday, and we had multiple outlets, ours included, doing the math on the fourth and eighth decision to the fans who travel across the country and start countless... Like, it's still a thing now when you talk to people. They're like, hey, remember there was two dozen Phillies blogs in 2012? Um, Philadelphia Twitter was built around Phillies followers in terms of, like, our specific audience. And it it sort of grew out from there. The Trust the Process crowd was an organic thing that started online and has become a national thing where you have TNT making videos of Joel Embiid running through the streets like Rocky with trust the process in the background. It, this is, you know, no other city is able to get a groundswell of momentum the way Philly is in these things. So when Cal, I, Cal to your point, he knows what he's doing, and, and national folks know that if they need something easy to go to, they can pick on Philly fans or do something about Philly because we'll fawn all over it or we'll feign outrage and... I don't know. I'm embarrassed that we fall for it every time, but at the same time, it's kind of cool that we're so reliable and passionate that we we could be counted on to give attention to stuff like this. No, because most other mm-hmm. fan bases don't care, or they just shrug it off, or they don't have the online community that we have. Speaking of the Malamutes, in the most recent Gridiron Heights episode, if you look as the Chiefs are walking through the carnival. There's a stand that is, uh, instead of, it's a small world after all, it's, it's a small wood after Sproles. And I thought that was pretty funny. I did not Uh, see that. I saw Wentz at the booth. Yeah. So go, go check it out again. And then look at the words at the top. That's Adam Malamit, who is, he's just a really smart guy. And he just thinks of ridiculous shit all the time. And he said he was singing that in the office and I was like, you're insane. For people who don't know, this is the these are the Philly uh, Philly native brothers who now work for Bleacher yes. Report who put together game of uh, game of zones and now uh, Gridiron Heights I guess is the NFL's version of this. It's a yeah. much smaller version. Gridiron Heights is crazy. It's like 
I go into a room with them and it's like they, they do it in like a week and they have to send it out and other people draw it and then they fix it. And Game of Zones is like an all-year thing where they're going to be starting up again soon uh, and kind of figuring out the best storylines in the NBA. And it's it's just fantastic. But the way their brains work is crazy. Does like I just go in there and we talk for a while. Does Bleacher Report sell ads on that or do you guys just use it as it's, like a uh, – no, it's brand sponsored. So last okay. year, I believe AT and T bought Game of Zones, and this year, PlayStation bought Gridiron Heights. Nice. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah, they're, they're they they drop a, a hefty check. Yeah. No. That's hey. That's that's the way to do it. To give something that's easy and fun and viral, and have someone pay for it. Everybody wins. It's branded content sponsorship. Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, so Friday, Friday else? we'll preview uh, the Cardinals game. We'll go. We'll go. Eagles heavy Friday. How you feeling? A uh, high level season. I'm trying to determine in my own head if the Eagles are. I believe contenders. that. I believe that much like the Rams, uh, this year's three and one is a lot different than last year's three and one. I think last year's three and one. It's easy to say last year's three and one was fool's gold, uh, even though they were three and zero oh coming off. I think the buy hit the Eagles at the worst time ever last year and ruined all their momentum. And then the Lane Johnson suspension hit. So I think there was a lot of like extenuating circumstances. And I look at this team and I go, um, if they're legitimately able, like we talked about last week, to create an identity of a running game that is downhill, what it did was last week it, it kept a defense that didn't have Fletcher Cox off the field and it kept the secondary. And if they're able to go with that identity and really run the football, this team could really be good. And I think that the Cowboys are – we're equal to, if not better than the Cowboys. I think we're equal to, uh, especially with the injuries that happened on Monday night, the Washington Redskins. So I think it's a legitimate race for the division right now. And we have a 2-0 NFC East uh, record right now. Um, I think the NFC is wide open. I think the Falcons are good. I think the Lions are good. Um, but I don't have that much faith in the Seahawks. Like their defense is good. The Rams, that's going to be an amazing game between the Eagles and Rams later this year. But other than that, like, I don't think the Panthers are that great. Uh, I don't think the Bucks are that great. And then the Packers are scary because of Aaron Rodgers. So the NFC is wide open right now. And I think the Eagles are a very solid team that have guys that can get after the quarterback, and not a lot of teams have that. Um, and then, look, if Darby gets healthy, this could be a really good season. Uh, obviously, health is so big, but I think the number one thing for the Eagles I'm looking for is, will they stay consistent with the run? And if that happens, then we can compete with anybody in the NFL. See, I, I'm, I don't know if I agree with you on the, like the Panthers. I mean, they just went into Foxborough and won. And the Patriots have a little bit of early season problems. Yeah, but then um, again, just hosted the Saints and got blown out. So, like, they're not a consistent team. And there. I think the Patriots kind of have, like, Super Bowl effect where when teams go up there, it's the best they're going to play all year because it's the fucking Patriots. Like, the Eagles' shitty season, they went up to the Patriots and they had, like, the punt return, interception return. Like, um, uh, but I do know what you're saying. I think they're good. I just don't think they're that great. Like, I, like I'm not going to bet on the Panthers for anything. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I'm not either. Um, 
uh, yeah, like you're going to see some of these teams start to separate themselves. Oh, are the Rams for real? Offensively, they might be. Um, yeah, the thing I keep coming back to is, I agree with you. Last year was sort of. I don't know if it was fool's gold. The, the Steelers weren't quite the Steelers by week three. The bye week hit at the wrong time. Before that, they beat the Browns and the Bears. It turned out to be two of the worst teams in football. So they had a lot working in their favor. It was a bit of a unique thing. You had the Browns at home to start, the Bears on Monday Night Football. It was just a, it was an odd start, and then a, they had a hellacious after the bye with the, the Lane Johnson thing, and then a hellacious following five or eight games. And they actually started putting it together again towards the end of the season and they picked up there. I mean, eight straight games of 20 plus points. I think they're the only team in the league to do that. Pretty impressive. Um, so, you know, the question is, are they a middle of the pack team? They've proven they can beat the not great teams, but are they a middle of the pack team that when they start playing the really good ones or even, even the Cardinals and Panthers who have um, talent at certain positions, especially defensively, that can give the Eagles problems are they going to sputter with those teams, or are they going to continue to rack up wins? And then the things that will really set them apart are the Falcons and Packers and Seahawks. The other thing is the Seahawks always, it's like the fourth straight year, third straight maybe, where the Seahawks have looked bad early in the season. And I know Russell Wilson is healthy now, and it's concerning that they haven't looked better because this was supposed to be his year, he's vegan now, whatever. Um they always look like an offensive mess at the beginning of the year. They always scuffle for a little while, and you're like, oh, maybe this is the year the Seahawks fall off. And then sometime around Thanksgiving, they get it going, and in a big way. So I'm not ready to write off the Seahawks just yet either. Eventually yeah, that I will stop, this, but... I did this on the podcast. The Seahawks uh, constantly flounder in September, and the Packers flounder at the end of October, November. So we haven't had... Because that because what happens is that's when all the injuries set in and like the Green Bay Packers offense is so boring uh, scheme wise that they catch up in October November but the Seahawks always start off rough in September and I think most of it's because they haven't had a good offensive line in three to four years that that trade of Jimmy Graham when they traded Max Unger their starting center for Jimmy Graham and everyone was like this is amazing it has absolutely ruined the Seahawks because. Jimmy Graham hasn't been anything, and they've their offense line has been shit now for three years. But they'll, 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 I have no doubt that the Seahawks will turn it around if it's not because of their defense alone. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with you. And Russell, and again, like there are times where their entire offense is Russell Wilson running around trying to make something happen. Oh, that and is their offense. It is, is and. For three straight years now, I've I've been like he's gonna he's gonna get himself killed. If, the minute he gets killed, this is not you know so they're, they're not winning without theory, him, and he somehow so manages theory, to keep coming. Which I completely agree is that Aaron Rodgers has ruined the offenses of the Giants and the Seahawks, and the reason is is because the Giants hired Ben McAdoo, OC uh, from the Packers. Seahawks hired um, what's his name Dirk, uh, not Dirk Bevel. Uh, uh, whatever Bevel's first name is for the Seahawks, their OC. He was the quarterback's coach of the Giants. And Sims's belief is that Aaron Rodgers willed that team by himself and these other franchises hired these guys to be their offensive coordinators solely because of, oh, the offense was good in Green Bay, when really the offense sucked in Green Bay, but Aaron Rodgers did Aaron Rodgers things. And that's why the Giants and Seahawks offenses stink, because 
uh, Darren Bevel is who I was thinking of. But yeah, the, the Seahawks offense and the Giants offense is some of the worst offensive game plans you'll ever see. And they rely on their quarterbacks. And the difference is Russell Wilson can make magic happen. And Eli Manning at this point is Eli Manning and he's nothing. Uh, but, oh, yeah, like their their offensive game plan is it's really tragic, Kyle. Like it's so boring to watch. Ooh, slant. Ooh, run play. Ooh, same run play. It's so bad. How good, how good, though, is Rodgers? He is, oh. like, no matter how many injuries that team has. quarterback of all time. I mean, when he, uh, my favorite part is when it's so obvious they have to throw. You're like, they got a ton of injuries. They can't run the ball. So Rodgers just has to go out and throw 50 times. And he somehow gets better under those circumstances. It's crazy. Kyle, they gave him a wide receiver to start at running back this year. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Ted Thompson, like they don't give him. I mean, th- there are running backs falling off of trees in the NFL. Kareem Hunt was a third round pick this year. Tevin Coleman is like a fourth, fifth round pick. Uh, Jordan Howard was a fifth round pick. They're everywhere. You can get these guys for nothing. And the Packers haven't had a running back in years. And the one running back they did is eating himself out of the league in Andy Lacey. <laughs> it's insane. Yep. You can't tell. Yep. All right. And yet they we keep will, coming. Break, All right. We will break down Eagles Cardinals a lot more on Friday. Uh, I'm really tempted to pick against the Eagles just because we're creating a streak of good Eagles performances uh, when I doubt them, which is really fun. Um, but for now, this has been Crossing Broadcast. You can hit up Kyle on Twitter at Crossing Broad. Russell Joy is at Joy on Broad. I am at Adam Lefko. We will talk to you guys then. And we love you very much. And we'll see you soon.